This is the LexisNexis Product Liability and Tort Center Podcast, a summary of recent news stories from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The Wisconsin Supreme Court on July 14th unanimously affirmed an appellate court ruling, holding that lead pigment is not defectively designed. The state's high court dismissed a lead-poisoned boy's claims for strict liability and negligence against the former manufacturers of white lead carbonate pigment. The complaint was filed by the guardian ad litem of Ruben Baez Godoy against E.I. DuPont de Nemours & Company, Conagra Foods, Sherwin-Williams, American Cyanamid, Armstrong Containers, and others. Godoy had argued not only that white lead pigment was defective, but also that it had not been substantially changed from the manufacturing process to the time when it was used to make paint. DuPont countered that the pigment had been altered when it was used in paint and that the change occurred after the product left the control of each of the defendants. The Supreme Court found the trial court and intermediate appellate courts correctly concluded that the complaint failed to state claims for defective design. The High Court explained that a defective design claim cannot be maintained where the presence of lead is the alleged defect in design and its very presence is a characteristic of the product itself. The Supreme Court also said that although the feasibility of an alternative design can be considered when evaluating a design defect claim, it is not a requirement. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Lead Litigation Report Editor James Cordray. Merck and Company and Shearing Plow Corporation on July 15th announced a $5.4 million civil settlement with 35 states regarding a joint investigation into whether the companies violated state consumer protection laws in their marketing of cholesterol drugs Phytorin and Zetia. The District of Columbia also participated. The state attorneys general were also investigating the company's enhanced clinical trial which concluded that Vitorin and Zetia were no more effective in lowering cholesterol levels than the lower-priced statin drug Simvastatin. Merck said the settlement is consistent with its belief that it conducted the studies in good faith and that its marketing was in compliance with the law. It said the settlement amount is equal to the state's investigative costs and does not include an admission of misconduct or liability. Several groups of plaintiffs have asked the Judicial Panel on Multidistrict Litigation to transfer and coordinate 17 federal cases involving the recently recalled weight loss product HydroxyCut in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of California. The plaintiffs note that no single district stands out as the geographic focal point for the litigation but say the Southern District of California is the most appropriate venue because the plaintiffs and many other putative class members live there, the district is convenient and readily accessible to the litigants, and California is a key market for the hydroxycut branded products. Meanwhile, Iovate Health Sciences USA has filed motions for a more definite statement in some cases, saying it cannot prepare defenses without a clearer picture of which products the plaintiffs claim produce their injuries. For example, in a July 8th motion in a putative class action in the Southern District of California, Iovate says three of the plaintiffs allege that they simply purchased, quote, the product, unquote, or hydroxycut. The company says the plaintiffs correctly allege there are multiple products that contain the brand name hydroxycut, but have ignored the important distinctions between the supplements by defining all 14 collectively as, quote, the products, unquote. 
It says their use of the term hydroxycut products in the complaint makes it impossible to discern which of the 14 hydroxycut products allegedly harmed the plaintiffs or the respective classes. I of 8 filed a similar motion July 6th in a case in the Middle District of Alabama. On July 8th, the court issued an order to show cause why Iovate's motion in that case should not be granted. A judge in the Northern District of Alabama granted similar motions on July 7th and at the same time ordered two cases consolidated. The FDA on May 1st warned consumers to stop using hydroxycut products because of serious liver injuries, and manufacturer Iovate Health Sciences agreed to recall all hydroxycut products. For LexisNexis Legal News, this is Mealy's Diet Drugs reporter, Michael Lefkowitz. The Cincinnati law firm of Berg, Simpson, Eldridge, Hirsch, and Jardine filed four lawsuits in federal courts in Ohio and Wisconsin between July 7th and July 10th on behalf of individuals who claim they suffered thrombotic injuries as a result of using Yaz or Yasmin and contend the manufacturers of the oral contraceptives failed to properly warn users of the drugs about its risks. The plaintiffs allege injuries such as deep vein thrombosis, stroke, and pulmonary emboli. Yasmin, which was approved by the FDA in 2001, and Yaz, which received agency approval in 2006, are the only oral contraceptives in the U.S. that contain drospirinone. According to the plaintiffs, defendants Bayer Corporation, Bayer Healthcare Pharmaceuticals, Bayer Healthcare, and Berlex Laboratories International, knew or should have known about the risks associated with drospirinone because a significant number of adverse event reports had been filed in European countries and with the FDA. The plaintiffs say that between 2004 and 2008, the agency received close to 50 reports of deaths in users of Yaz and Yasmin, some of which occurred in women as young as 17. The plaintiffs contend that in addition to failing to warn consumers and the medical community about the risks associated with drospirinone, the manufacturing defendants failed to test the contraceptives to ensure they were safe and effective. The plaintiffs are seeking damages based on claims for strict products liability, negligence, and negligent misrepresentation. The First Division of Illinois Appellate Court has ruled that a trial court correctly determined that a company settled an underlying lawsuit seeking damages caused by an alleged exposure to asbestos fibers and its crayons in reasonable anticipation of potential liability. However, the appeals court said the lower court erred in not allocating the settlement according to the number of years an insurance company's policies were effective. Federal Insurance Company filed a declaratory judgment action against its insured Binney & Smith Incorporated, seeking a ruling that it owes no coverage for an underlying class action lawsuit filed against Binney & Smith by the parent of a child allegedly exposed to asbestos fibers included in Binney & Smith's manufacture of Crayola crayons. The company settled that action several months after it was filed. But Federal Insurance Company disputed its obligations to Binney & Smith, and after a bench trial, the Cook County Circuit Court entered a judgment in Binney & Smith's favor for approximately $1 million. The trial court denied Binney & Smith's request for prejudgment interest, and both sides filed an appeal. The appeals panel determined the trial court did not err in finding that Binney & Smith settled the underlying action in reasonable anticipation of liability for a covered loss. However, the panel said the trial court erred by refusing to allocate the underlying settlement pro rata, according to the number of years Federal actually insured Binney & Smith for advertising injuries. The panel explained that although Binney & Smith's labeling of its crayons as non-toxic was ongoing, the actual advertising injury did not occur until an individual class member purchased a box of Crayola crayons in reliance of the labeling. 
The Texas Supreme Court in early July held that judges granting new trials must provide an explanation of why the reasons for such a move outweigh the evidence supporting a jury's verdict. Carol Richardson sued a number of companies in the Jefferson County District Court, alleging that they were liable for Willis Wisnuts Jr.'s death from asbestos exposure. In March 2008, a jury found in favor of DuPont, the sole remaining defendant. Richardson moved for a new trial, arguing that the jury's finding was, quote, contrary to the overwhelming weight and preponderance of the evidence, end quote. Richardson argued that it was clear that the jury was influenced by the Southeast Texas record. Richardson said the U.S. Chamber of Commerce-owned newspaper took immediate interest in the case and that the vast majority of its articles were favorable to DuPont. Judge Donald Floyd granted the motion without providing a written explanation. The Ninth District Texas Court of Appeals denied DuPont's petition for writ of mandamus, and the Texas Supreme Court accepted DuPont's petition. The court held that based on its 2009 opinion in Inre Columbia Medical Center of Las Colinas, Judge Floyd abused his discretion by not providing reasons for granting a new trial. However, the court declined DuPont's request to review Richardson's reasons for seeking a new trial to determine if any of them would have been an abuse of discretion, saying Judge Floyd could have granted a new trial on other grounds. The court limited the relief granted to an order directing that Judge Floyd specify reasons for his decision to grant a new trial. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Asbestos Publication Editor, Brian Redding. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission on July 9th announced it has reached a total of nine separate agreements with a group of nine manufacturers, importers, and sellers of children's products that will pay a total of $530,000 in fines for violating a federal lead paint ban. The CPSC penalty settle allegations that the companies in question had knowingly manufactured, imported, or sold toys and other children's articles with paint or other surface coatings that contained lead levels in excess of the limits allowed by federal law. The products in question were recalled in 2007 and 2008. The companies include Cardinal Distributing Company of Baltimore, Dollar General Corporation, Family Dollar Stores, and Hobby Lobby Stores, Incorporated. Items affected by the recall included metal jewelry, metal water bottles, pens, pencil carriers, sunglasses, and Halloween pails. An Alabama home builder filed an amended class action complaint July 7th in the federal Chinese drywall multi-district litigation, marking the first such amended complaint filed. The case is one of only a handful of suits brought against the Chinese drywall manufacturers by contractors acting on their own and their customers' behalf. The Mitchell Company, an Alabama-based construction firm, built homes and apartments in its home state, as well as in Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, and Florida, that incorporated allegedly defective drywall obtained from manufacturers in China. The case was transferred to the Eastern District of Louisiana for consolidation with other Chinese drywall cases in the federal multi-district litigation proceedings under Judge Eldon Fallon. Mitchell's amended complaint seeks to recover out-of-pocket expenses in connection with the repair or replacement of the allegedly defective drywall in buildings it erected for its customers, as well as other property damaged by the drywall. It says these expenses include investigative costs and the costs of relocating customers displaced by the drywall's presence. Mitchell's six-count amended complaint states claims for negligence and gross negligence, strict product liability, unjust enrichment, breach of the implied warranty of merchantability, and breach of express warranty. Seven plaintiffs have filed a proposed multi-state consumer fraud class action in the Northern District of Illinois against Matrix Initiatives for allegedly falsely stating that its Zycam zinc-based products are effective at treating the common cold. 
In mid-June, the Food and Drug Administration warned consumers not to use Zycam intranasal products, and manufacturer Matrix Initiatives voluntarily withdrew two of the products. The plaintiffs allege consumer fraud for fraudulent misrepresentations about Zycam. The plaintiffs say they do not seek damages for personal injuries or failure to warn, but instead seek damages and injunctive relief because Matrix falsely represented that its zinc-based Zycam products are effective cold remedies when, in fact, the company does not possess competent scientific proof the products work. They say the packaging of numerous Matrix products represents that it has what it calls adequate and scientifically accepted proof that Zycam is effective, when actually, quote, the vast weight of scientific evidence and consensus in the medical and scientific community is that zinc-based remedies are not effective cold remedies, end of quote. The plaintiffs seek subclasses of consumers who bought Zycam products in the last two to six years in California, Florida, Illinois, Minnesota, Missouri, Texas, and Wisconsin. They seek damages allowed under those states' consumer fraud laws. At a June 18th stock analyst call, the company said it expects an explosion of new litigation following the FDA action. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz. An 18-year-old woman who was hospitalized for a week after eating raw cookie dough involved in a nationwide recall filed the first complaint against the manufacturer in a California court in late June. Jillian Collins sued Nestle USA in San Mateo County, California Superior Court, claiming she became ill after eating Nestle Toll House refrigerated cookie dough. On May 26th, she fell ill with painful abdominal cramps and diarrhea. As her symptoms worsened, she was admitted to a hospital where tests revealed she was infected with E. coli. The genetic fingerprint of her test matched that of the outbreak strain involving the tainted Nestle cookie dough. Collins brings claims of strict liability, breach of warranty, negligence, and negligence per se. She contends she suffered and will continue to suffer pain, loss of enjoyment of life, emotional distress, and medical problems as a result of consuming the contaminated cookie dough. She adds that she's also incurred medical expenses. Collins seeks general and special damages, costs, and prejudgment interest. The Lexus One Community where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus web search engine, free forms, and Mealy's Online. Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexus Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexusone.com this is the LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast. If you'd like more details on these and other stories, visit www.lexisnexis.com forward slash mealies or visit the Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center page at www.lexisnexis.com forward slash communities and click on the Torts Law link. The LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thanks for listening.